This is Our Point with Zach and Carmen. Good morning. Morning. What are you doing over there? Oh my God. Very exciting news to share this morning. Did things happen? Was Is there a new development? Things happened. Okay. Okay. So many of our lawyer listeners know that we've been recording in the morning time, which means we're not drinking cocktails as much. And uh, I've been sharing uh, my... <laughs> Let's be honest. We are drinking... You're drinking cocktails. They're just not on the podcast. <laughs> yeah. In the morning. Right. Exactly. Okay. Okay. And I've been sharing stories about my small novelty coffee mug collection. And I've just been waiting for someone to send me a mug uh, because that would mean that like I'm... I've really made it. Right? Like... My fame has grown to the point where someone has sent me a mug, and yesterday it happened. What? New coffee mug, y'all. We're getting fan mail? I got legit fan mail. Anonymously, there was no note. Ugh. And the coffee mug says, I want to be a nice person, but everyone's so stupid. (laughs) Mm-hmm. So not yeah. only did somebody send me a coffee mug, but they sent a coffee mug to my heart. It's like they know you. It's like they know me. Do you think if we ever go back to working in the office, that's a coffee cup that you can take to work with you? Do you think your workplace would appreciate that? I do not think they would appreciate that. I mean, maybe they'd understand who you are as a person if if they if they did let you bring your coffee cups to work. Well, my coffee cup that I use at work said pitch back up (laughs) if everyone if everyone agreed with me they'd always be right or something like that franny Mm. got it for me i forgot i had mugs at work oh well if we get desperate well now we don't even have to worry about being desperate because you're getting fan mail right and then so here's my here's my plan like my plan going forward i'm like elizabeth warren (laughs) what i think we should do is get a post office box because oh. this person this person knows me because they have my address. But we should get a post office box for fan mail and coffee mugs. <laughs> and then we will single-handedly save the post office. Oh. Do you see how multi-layered? That, that's pretty great. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty great. I can get so, on board with paying for a post office box that's never going to receive mail. To save the post office. <laughs> to save can... the post office. Yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe maybe we should get two since we lived in different locations. Yes. Or and that or, that would help out that would help out more of the post office. Or you could have the post office and when because I get hate mail, you get love mail, apparently. <laughs> um you, if I do happen to get something, you could just use the post office to mail it to me. And that's probably even better for the post office. Mm, yeah, good point. Good point. <sighs> well, I think I like... that like I'm going to have the post office box and you're going to have the bank account. And that is probably the <laughs> division. I like, I like that division. But that... Two things that each of us, you're going to love having the post office <laughs> box way more than having the bank account. I need, I also need our listeners to help me out with something because I want to call them something other than listeners you're really torn up on this i can't understand why you're fixated on this 
I need it because I need I need them to have a name so then I can refer to them as the name and Pod Save America already took friends of the friend of the pod and I need something else. So Friends of the Pod is not an abbreviation. It's just like then you might as well just say our listeners. But it's something so specific to them. Like I saw a bumper sticker on I ninety a couple weeks ago and it said friend of the pod and I knew exactly what podcast it was. You know what I mean? Like it's that kind of overall yes. branding. I mean, I don't know if we're the, to that level yet, but I like that you are but brainstorming. You have, to, you have to start early. Like you can't start at episode 100 and it was like, we should give our folks the name. I mean, I like pointers and I think you don't like that. I mean, I, I just, what I thought was we could ask them. But do we care like, what their feedback is? Like, that's is, not us. <laughs> that's, like, that's a good point. <laughs> it's called our point, not their point. What, what, what are you doing? All right. I will take your feedback into consideration. <laughs> Zach will not. Yeah, uh, no, but here's what you. I've come up with so far uh, is pointers. Point pod, pod squad, which I did kind of like because you know how I like rhyming. The point squad, point pack, and point posse. I personally had point pack in the lead, but apparently Zach likes pointers. So maybe we'll do a poll. Maybe if I get bored today, I'll make a I'll make a poll. Just the only people that are gonna participate in the poll are Sarah and I. <laughs> That's what happened to the last poll we did. There was very. I think little Aaron <laughs> logged in. I saw there were eight votes, and you and I were definitely two of them. <laughs> Aaron weighed in on as a pro top sheet. I'm pretty sure. All I right. want to get in on the the coffee cup because i did find in the back of the cupboard one coffee cup that i can contribute to this it is donald duck with a crazy face and it says mad genius so i am drinking out of a disney cup and it's wonderful it's a great way to start the morning i'm glad you could share in the that's what i can contribute coffee cup joy excellent well done the problem Uh, with having like a bunch of different coffee cups the weird ones is they're all different sizes and shapes, and so they just don't look as pretty in the cupboard. It's true. It's incredibly true. It's really frustrating. Well, but you have such a large kitchen. I feel like you could have a whole cupboard dedicated to novelty mugs, whereas I do not. Yeah, but I live with a purger whose joy in life is to make sure that 55% of those cupboards are empty. <laughs> like... That that is just how he operates. So I just don't understand the point of an empty cupboard. Carmen, that is a <laughs> conversation for another day where he can't listen to it. <laughs> okay, I think we should do something a little bit different with our pod today. Okay. Because I'm feeling a little fired up. I'm feeling... Are you ready to go? Kind of. I'm a little bit angry, a little bit frustrated, and a whole lot of it scared to death so i think we should take some time during this monumental occasion and talk all about the convention that's going on the democratic national convention that's going on i know we touched a little bit on it last last podcast but i feel like our listeners maybe some of which who have not listened or watched as intensely as we have they need to be in the know and we need to give them the lowdown you ready? I'm ready. I'm so, I'm pretty excited. Last night, because I would say night one, I was not quite all in. You were fighting it. 
and that's you know i gotta be that's how you I gotta work. Be me yep yeah, yeah. and then uh, yesterday because i didn't get to watch it tuesday night so i watched tuesday nights on wednesday and i just had tears streaming down my face like i was trying to eat lunch and just crying when it, it was the jill biden background video about yeah. how amazing jill biden is and like i knew because obviously she has been second lady for eight years but she was very like chill about it and i think all of the attention was on michelle obama because we all love her too and now this is really like jill's moment and she is a cool lady she is a cool lady so i want to back up and let's start with day one we already talked about in our parting thoughts the last episode michelle obama being a badass and like slicing and dicing the president but there's one other component of that night that i think was really powerful and i don't think we touched on it but that was that amtrak video did you happen to watch Mm -hmm. the amtrak Mm -hmm. video yeah 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 and so for folks who don't know um Joe Biden, when he was a young senator, made a point to, I mean, his wife had died and his baby daughter. And so he had two two kids. He was a single dad of two boys who were in the hospital and he was elected to the U.S. Senate. And so every night, every day, I guess, he would ride the Amtrak train from Wilmington to D.C. and back. And this was just a really common man video that showed him riding the train and and the friendships and the people that he met on the train. And they talked a lot about how he would go out of the way to talk to everybody. He made friends with the staff. He wasn't one of those senators. He could have easily been working on the train. He could have decided he had had enough of people, but he took time to get to know these folks and and they basically became family. So, you know, expanded upon the fact that he obviously became vice president and it wasn't riding the train as much as he used to ride the train anymore after 40 years in the Senate. And one of, I think it was the conductor or was it like the ticket, the ticket guy ended up having a heart attack. All of a sudden out of the blue, Joe Biden called him and wanted to know all the story, wanted to know all about the heart attack, wanted to know how he was doing. This Amtrak worker really said Joe, Joe became a friend. Um, no matter how busy Joe was, he took time out of his day to interact with these folks that he saw on a daily basis and, and make a, a lasting impact in their life. Um, and that was the first time that I cried during the convention. <laughs> it was so great. It was so warm and fuzzy on the inside. It's true. Well, and I don't remember if it was Jill or Kamala. Someone was talking about because he has known such a grief that he is so like dialed into other people's grief. Yeah. And he was, someone told a story about how he was taking a picture with um, a woman and she was like, Oh my God, my Grammy loves you so much. Like this is, she's just gonna like be so excited that we, I saw you and talked to you. And he was like, Grammy, let's call her. And so they get, her Grammy on the phone and then Grammy's telling the the story and uh, she had a family member who was sick. So she was in the hospital and Joe just took this woman's phone and walked over to the side and started talking to Grammy and, and and who was sick and and what was going on and and how was she doing? Cause he knows what it's like to sit in a hospital room. (laughs) Well, and 
they talked that he stayed on the phone with her for 30 minutes. He had staffers that came and tried to interrupt him and he shushooed them. Dana Bash from CNN, he was supposed to go live on an interview in five minutes and he pushed the interview back so he could stay on the phone with this woman and continue the conversation. I know quite a few politicians. The fact, I can't think of one of them that would take 30 minutes out of their day to talk to a complete stranger, like an in-depth conversation. This isn't in a, hi, how are you? Thank you for your support. Rah, 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 let's go. And three minutes later, you hand the phone back off to somebody. He, he had a 30-minute conversation with a complete stranger. There was the image of him walking along the street and he saw a homeless man that was asking for money. So Joe Biden, of course, gave him money. And then Joe gave him his personal phone number so that he could help him get off the street. It's like, again, tears. Yeah, no, the whole, the whole video production that they decided to go with because they couldn't be in person. It's just really masterfully done. I've been very, very, because now I just feel like I have more, I have more FaceTime with all of these people than I would at a regular convention. You definitely do. And I think, I think the thing that has been really impactful that they have done so far with this convention is it has not been about, it has not been about policy. And look, Joe Biden might not be the most progressive person on the face of the planet. That might not be the number one choice. But I think watching these videos or this convention or hearing people talk about him, he definitely hits you in the feels for at least being a decent human. Now, that might not mean that he didn't you know, have some missteps or that he's not where we want him to be on certain policy issues. But I don't think you can say that he doesn't actually care. And that he means well. Whether or not that's enough is a different conversation, but I think they've done a really great job at humanizing him in a way that shows him to be incredibly empathetic and relatable, which I think is a a stark contrast to who we currently have sitting in the White House. So that's really like night one. Night two, we had, I don't know if you credit this, but I did you see the ALS video? The yes. activist dude who oh found out that he was diagnosed with ALS and started the video recording to his like new baby kid that's like, I want you to hear my voice before I lose my voice. Cry. Then he became like a healthcare warrior to try and get Medicare for all or universal healthcare. He's like in a wheelchair getting arrested in the Capitol steps. He's the guy that people might remember from Senator Jeff Flake of Arizona was on the plane. And this man said, why are you trying to take my health care away from me? Why do you want to kill me? And Jeff Flake, of course, like shit his pants on the middle of the airplane. and didn't know what to do as a camera was in his face. So people might remember that. And it ended, of course, with him now. Well, it was a tablet or a computer speaking for him because he's in a wheelchair and can't speak. And again, just bald, just cried, just cried like a little baby. Well, I cried during roll call. Like that it's so every state and in the packed convention bleachers or whatever, that is kind of messy and you can't hear anything and people are shouting and you're just like, oh, there's a bunch of states. But because I got to see every state where whatever, you know, they wore special clothing that 
represented their history or where they were in, in whatever state they were in. They had a background that was like, we're here from California and there's like a lawn chair for Laguna Beach. And no, well, we're here in Alaska <laughs> and we're here over here. And I just listened to every, and what, I mean, it's not even a minute. It's must be 20 seconds, 25 seconds that every state gets. Yeah. I thought it was like 30 seconds or something like yeah, that. Yeah. It's real short. Had. And I w- was like, well, you know, I was, you know, multitasking. And then I just was like, oh my God, I have to watch Guam. Like, and then I just kept on watching all of them. And well, it was really nice to see each state got to like, again, more direct focus was on what was going on in the sh- and on the TV screen than opposed to the huge convention with all the people around them. But it was nice to see, you got kind of got like a sneak peek of what, what each state was like. I saw somebody online that was like, well, now I have a list of 27 <laughs> states that I want to go visit because their <laughs> backdrops are so cool. But again, I think it was a really, I mean, Matthew Shepard's parents did the roll call for Wyoming that like they popped up on the screen and of course like tell you that. tears oh. tears happened i was like matthew shepherd's parents like oh you had con- the con i can't remember his name but the the gold star family that trump attacked in 2016 he did the roll call it was just a really creative way that they could include more folks into the convention in a in a symbolic and meaningful way that like really stood out to me so I held it together until I saw Matthew Shepard's parents and was like, oh. "Yeah, well, you made it to Wyoming." I mean, <laughs> I, I did make I did make it to Wyoming. Well, because I wanted to see South Dakotas and where where you all were at. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I realized they're not going to show Mount Rushmore, but I still wish they would have used Mount Rushmore as the background because it just looked like they were like in the woods. I feel like Trump ruined Mount Rushmore, like just for a yeah. minute. No, Mount and Rushmore is, cannot, cannot be ruined by one president going to it. That's like saying Bill Clinton ruined Mount Rushmore for the Republicans. That's crazy. He also went there. I just said, like, for a minute. Like, it'll come I back. I know, come but back it around. is, like, it is the it'll prettiest come back around part. When they, so I think I emailed you. We talked a long time ago um, on the pod about this art installation that they want to do at Mount Rushmore where they're going to project the suffragettes yes, over we talked about the that like five episodes ago, six episodes ago. Yeah. I don't, it was a time is meaningless. Yeah, maybe a long, yep. And anyway, it has not been scheduled yet. I called mm-hmm. Senator Thune's office cause he's one of the like people. Yeah. Let's call him a sponsor, whatever. And his office had no idea. And then I found them on Facebook and I messaged them and they're like, we're still trying to get this put together with the parks department or whatever. So when they start projecting the ladies up on Mount Rushmore, then it'll come back to me. So do we think it's actually going to happen at this point? Well, that's, I don't They've know. totally missed the ball and it's going to be fall before we know it. It's really well, upsetting. It, I mean, the anniversary was like this week. So yeah. But it's supposed it to project Monday. for two weeks. I don't know. Maybe it'll be closer to the election and then they'll make it a thing. Who knows? Maybe. Uh, okay, so the other thing following roll call on that night was, was, of course, Jill Biden's speech was the big one on Tuesday, which mm-hmm. Carmen touched on. I thought, first off, she did a walk and talk, which kudos. Politicals love the walk and talk. She did the walk and talk. Her green dress was spot on gorgeous. And I loved. I looked up because I was like, I, as a customer, I'm always so interested in why people wear 
things. And so I was like, why did Jill wear green? Because green, I was, because, you know, white and purple is the suffragettes and blue and red is Democrat and Republican. And I was like, what? what is green like is it for the green new deal is it like what are we trying what are we trying to what message are is she subliminally trying to send to me and uh there seemed to be no reason that she wore green (laughs) there was a article in the new york times that talked about her dress and uh they actually called it chalkboard green as opposed to like liberty green which is a worn thing she did not say like what designer it it was uh, it had yet to be claimed and uh just drawing a contrast between her and melania as first lady and how often first ladies use fashion in such a way and i think we've talked about michelle obama you know drawing attention to different designers and and that kind of thing but so i i went down a whole rabbit hole with jill's green dress and i couldn't solve it well it was gorgeous it was but i love she was that stunning. she gave her speech from a classroom because she is a longtime teacher and i loved the behind on the blackboard it said welcome back mrs b and i was like well that's cute because she Mm -hmm. used to be a high school english teacher there the opening video they did for her was amazing again the video yeah it was really because it just talked about how she became these boys stepmom and those boys were so cute and then i don't think i realized that joe and jill had had a daughter together mm-hmm. Actually. I, so i hadn't been paying attention for eight years the story of like the boys coming to joe and saying i think it's time that we marry jill like mm-hmm. tears i know <laughs> that's what i'm saying and then like bitches just running oh just lacing up my sneaks out for a run hey Totally. And, uh, and she's, the talk she about taught the, the whole time and she's going to keep teaching. Well, that's my, what I remember from her from my time there was they always were moving her schedule around to fit in her, her teaching schedule because she taught at a community college in, in Virginia. And she did all whenever I did the few times I did see her, she did always have a gigantic tote bag. That she carried with her everywhere she goes. And apparently that's where she kept all of her like school paperwork that she was grading in between any any kind of downtime. So, I mean, the speech was great. The video was great. I love that she talked about the fact that she's a practical joker. They Michelle Obama in a different... Grandkids? <laughs> yes. Uh, Michelle Obama in a different interview said that Jill was notorious for pranking her staff. And like it happened frequently that when they were flying, Jill would hide in different luggage compartments and then scare them when her staff would go to open the luggage compartments to get off the plane so i mean i find that to be hilarious but then they talk the grandkids talked about the chill like is a prankster and if she saw like a dead snake along the road on her run she'd like pack it put it in a bag and like bring it home to scare them and i was like that is a grandma that i can get on board with it sounds a lot like my mother and also, how tiny is she that can she, she can fit in the overhead compartment of an airplane? I know. I was like, <laughs> she was where? <laughs> and what staff, like, didn't notice she was missing? Like, how long was she in the luggage compartment? And I want to I deviate from that to go to a follow-up interview she did with CBS this morning with Gail on Wednesday morning. I don't know if you saw it, but did you see the news that Jill said that when she becomes first lady, she will continue to teach? Yes. Yeah. 
And I actually watched that before I ended up watching the night before. So I thought I had seen all of the moments, right? I saw them hugging. I saw the dress. I saw um, clips of her in the video. And then when I got to watch it all unfold, I still was super emotional about it. Yeah. It was like, that's pretty profound to when Joe Biden becomes the first lady that she is not only going to take on the full first lady responsibilities, but once again, we're going to have a, a transformational figure of that office that is going to be a working woman who has her own career, her own identity that she isn't going to give up for her husband or this role. And the reality, like she said, like a teacher, it's just who she is. And so I think it is pretty remarkable that, Jill has been forceful out there and saying, of course, I'm going to continue working. Kudos. I saw both Michelle Obama and Hillary Clinton had a post on Instagram that was like, hell yes, Jill Biden, you keep working. You you know, it was like, mm, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Hillary walks so you can run, Jill. But it was, it was great. Oh, I was like, I don't know when to take a break because we are doing a different format, but I know that I'm out of coffee. That's what I was going to say. I need coffee before we continue into day three. Okay, so it's time for day three. <laughs> Carmen, who is your favorite? My favorite is Elizabeth Warren. She can't which, be your favorite of that night. Well, I she mean, was I like, good, but not the favorite. I mean, saying Hillary just seems too obvious. No. <laughs> okay, keep going. <laughs> Tell me why you loved Liz. Well... As a theater person, I really love, like we talked about the costuming, so I'm always curious about what people are wearing and why they're wearing it, and less so about, like, fashion, but more so of, like, what, why are you doing it this way? Uh, but Lizzie had, uh, she's also a teacher, and so she spoke from a classroom as well. Oh, and was it a classroom? I thought it was a daycare center. Because she was talking about, she spent a lot of time talking about affordable child care. So I thought it was a daycare center. But same thing, maybe it was like one of those preschools or something. Yeah, let's go with that. Okay. So sprinkled around the set, though, yes. were all these little Easter eggs. And it yeah. was so fun. And somebody on Twitter noticed it right away. And so then I became like eagle eyes in the background. So she had um, letters uh, that said BLM on one area on some cubbies for Black Lives Matter. There was dream big, fight hard was one of the messages of her campaign. So then there were letters that said DBFH on one. Uh, there was a postal service jacket had a little u.s mail stamp on it but like kid size because it was a kid area this does look very like preschooly you're right um there's a pair of converse sneakers which is a massachusetts company what uh and then um some letters spelled out joe there was a dr seuss uh which is also a massachusetts um there was a secret like vote on November 3rd message and Lady Liberty, a book that was set in Boston and like- I mean, her staff did a great job at staging the room. It, it really was masterful. Well, because she only had five minutes. So she really had to pack in all of these <laughs> messages. And her big message, like Zach said, was 
childcare is infrastructure. I think the pandemic has really showed us that your home cannot be everything and school clearly cannot continue to be everything. And we need affordable childcare. And there's this giant disconnect because childcare workers are very low paid individuals. And yet childcare is so expensive. And so we need to make childcare more affordable and pay workers more like a legit living wage for taking care of actual children. And Betsy has a plan to make that happen. So I just, she just is so inspiring. And she told the story about aunt B, which was in her book and how she was trying to be a mom, a single mom and teach and like trying to, um, (laughs) <laughs> I was like, what are you doing with your microphone? It keeps moving. <laughs> well, uh, and she's eating anyway, it like an she, ice cream cone. She, Elizabeth Warren is talking to her Aunt B and she is just so overwhelmed. And she's like, basically, I can't do it. And I'm going to have to quit my job because I'm not being a good mom. And Aunt B says, well, I can't be there tomorrow, but I can be there on Thursday. And she packed up her whole life and moved in with Elizabeth Warren and stayed for 16 years and like elizabeth warren says that there's absolutely no way that she would have achieved what she did in her life without like reliable and affordable childcare. and for her that was aunt b but not everybody has an aunt b well i mean you're right her whole focus was talking about child care and the need especially in a pandemic for i mean i think it's just more obvious how important child care especially as we're working from home and um, yada, yada, yada. But the reality is that we provide all of these infrastructure projects that make our economy, our workforce more productive and more equitable to everybody, whether or not that is our roads and highways, broadband, internet. But childcare is one of those things that if we provide affordable childcare to everyone, it benefits everyone um, effectively. And she's right. I mean, I, I look at my own parents who, you know, they lived a long, long ways away from their family. But when my mom went back to school, we wouldn't, they wouldn't have been able to do it unless my grandparents would have picked up their life and moved, moved to where we were to help out. And not everybody has that support system that is readily available um, for them to take advantage of. And so really making a dent in bringing down the cost of childcare is a way that we can benefit everybody in our economy, um, but also provide a service that is desperately needed. And I don't know, Liz did a great job at, at pointing that out. I mean, of course she did. I, I had no doubt in my mind that Elizabeth Warren wasn't going to have a phenomenal speech last night. And she did. And she did. The I'm going to start back at the top because I like to follow orders. Part one of Zach crying during Wednesday's convention (laughs) speech was Gabby Giffords. Oh. And Mm -hmm. they started the convention off talking about gun violence and they touched on, you know, they showed clips of obviously some scenes from lots of the, the school shootings and mass shootings around the country. They had the kids that did all of the march and the rallying following, um, the shooting in Florida 
and and so that of course is powerful to see these kids giving these huge speeches in front of hundreds of thousands of people just like holding people to, to task but then it switched of course to gabby giffords congresswoman from arizona who was shot three feet um, shot in the head from three feet away from the gun and and lived i think we all hopefully know who she is but they they again talked about joe biden being there for her calling talking being being a presence but also gabby talked about her struggle that she they showed all the images of her going through rehab and stuff which was ugh, gut punching and then you know she's giving this speech and i will say she has come a long way from the last time i remember her giving a speech like she has clearly put in the work and she I mean, I thought she looked really great. She sounded oh, she really great. Yeah. She had like that white suit, that white power suit on, which was great. The backdrop was amazing. Um, but she talked about the fact that she struggles to talk. It's hard for her to find the words. She talked about getting back up and fighting because she has to fight. Again, I can like well up in tears just thinking about the determination that that woman has to keep going in a public, she talked about like she hasn't lost her voice, that she still has a purpose, and that Joe Biden is going to fight. And I was like, ugh, Gabby Giffords. Uh, so a couple things about Gabby. I read a tweet that said this is the longest public speech that she has given since 2011 when she was shot. She was shot in January 2011, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and that she worked for months with a speech therapist to be able to be yeah. as successful as she was. And, they, awesome. and they showed a clip of her working with her speech specialist on the speech and, you know, giving a high five when she got a word correct. And I was like, <sighs> and her husband is running for senator of Arizona. Yep. Mark Kelly. Um, so super, super exciting race uh, down there. And he's going to win. Let's be honest. He's going to win. So here's my Gabby Gifford story because our United States Congresswoman lost in 2010, Mm -hmm. uh, who's Stephanie Hurst-Sandlin. And um, she only lost by like 7,000 votes. It was pretty, not very, not very many. Um, And Gabby Giffords actually won in 2010 uh, by not very many votes. And then Gabby, and they were, they were, I don't know, close enough. They were, you know, they, they were in Congress they were, together. They were friends. Her, so, I mean, I know Stephanie enough to know that they, her, Gabby Giffords, Kristen Gillibrand, and Debbie Wasserman Schultz all came into Congress at the same time with each other. And they were young women and they were incredible. they're incredibly close. Like, they, like, hung out, did stuff. Stephanie, when Gabby got shot, flew down there and hung out with her for a few days. I mean, when Debbie Wasserman Schultz, when I got her, the only reason I got her to come to South Dakota for the convention was because her and Stephanie were friends and they had like a slumber party together that night. So, I mean, <laughs> anyways, just show, like they were incredibly close. Continue with your story. Well, that was it. So she went down to Arizona and was talking to uh, her husband, Gabby's husband. And Stephanie, when I heard her give this talk and tell the story, it was just like that could have been her like that was an incredibly contentious time in politics and 
Stephanie barely lost and Gabby barely won. And was it worth it to have, you know, to have Gabby win and then to be shot in the head at a campaign or a political event? And uh, just how things like that happen and, and how close you are in one side or the other. And it was, I also cried during that story. Yeah. I mean, just the perseverance of Gabby Giffords is enough to cement her in like the top echelon of, of human beings. And every time I see her, I mean, she, she uses her, her appearances smartly, mm-hmm. you know, she it's where it's, it's really impactful. And to start the convention off that way, I don't know. It just immediately got the emotion boiling super high, which meant that I could cry at a drop of a hat the rest of the evening. So we should like, oh, let's also back up and talk about the fact that, you know, over each night they've had a different woman moderate Mm -hmm. or host Mm -hmm. the convention. They've been women of different ethnicities. So I thought all in all, it's been, it's been really great. Last night was Carrie Washington. Oh, who we love. (laughs) It was so great. Olivia Pope was just up there like giving us a speech. There's a couple times where she did like her head thing. And I was like, Oh fuck, watch out. Fitz, <laughs> Carrie's gonna get you. Um, so I thought that was great. Um, so after Gabby, there were some other things. Some other mm-hmm. things sprinkled in there. Didn't really matter to me. Other people, other people talked. Then Hillary Clinton appeared on my television. And I might cry right now. Thinking about I, it. I again, Hillary didn't say anything that made me cry. What made me cry? was the fact that she deserved to be president and we all let Hillary Clinton down. She kind of told me that through her eyes. Yep. There was aggressive eye contact. Mm -hmm. Like she bore into my soul and was like, oh, do you remember how you didn't work very hard in 2016? Well, that's exactly it. That was her message. I warned you. I told you this was going to happen. And then it happened. And now here we are. Yeah. And are you going to let me down again? Is that what you're going to do? Well, and, you know, one of – there's a lot of parts of the speech that I were, – were, was amazing, right? She talked about the fact that Joe and Kamala could win by 3 million votes and still lose. That <laughs> you're like, oh, sorry, Hillary. And, you know, yada, 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 yada. But the fact that Hillary Clinton has people that come up to her and say, I wish you would have been president – I'm sorry I didn't I didn't support you. I wish I if I could go back now I would change my vote and I would vote for you. Or I didn't vote and I wish I would have voted voted is like, so egregious to me that she would walk up to somebody like her who you know how you know how much it sucks to lose? Don't try doing it in front of <laughs> the world when the world is on the line and clearly now we're imploding. And the you have the balls to walk up to her. And say, I'm sorry I didn't vote for you. I wish I would have. Or that I didn't vote. She deserves to backhand you into 1950. And you'd like it. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, it's just like. Like, shut your whore mouth. I can't imagine a situation where you'd be close enough to Hillary Clinton to speak to her. And what you choose to say is, I'm sorry I didn't vote. What? Yes, I mean. Like, you know how emotional and hard that would be to hear that, again, everybody has regrets about what they did, and then they come up and, like, they're trying to clear their conscience by unloading on the person that's already 
she's done enough for us. And so that was my takeaway. Like the balls on these people to walk up to Hillary Clinton and be like, I'm sorry, I didn't vote. I wish I would have voted. Like secret service needs to take those people out immediately. They're just garbage humans. I just can't, I can't with them. I feel bad for her. I feel really, really, really bad for her. There was a lot of people that I saw that were like, why are we having Hillary Clinton speak at the convention? Bitch, she won by 3 million votes. She's more popular. Also, she's put her time in and she deserves, if she wanted 50 minutes, she deserves 50 minutes. So back off of Hillary. That's, I get, I get so mad. I'm so defensive of her. It makes me, anyways, any criticism makes me very, very angry. And the fact that people tell Hillary Clinton that they didn't vote is mind blowing. So weird. So weird. Don't do so that. If you, if you didn't vote and you see her, don't do that. Don't be that person. Well, and so like Hillary was the first person of the night that gave me a stern talking to mm. that told me to, to be better. And to be honest with you, when she told me, I, I signed up to be a poll worker last night because Hillary Clinton told me I applied to be an election judge. And I thought to myself, we live in the era. And I think, Carmen, you should do the same thing. I was thinking about the fact that we love democracy and we talk a big game about all this stuff. And I mean, I need to be calling into Wisconsin. I need to be showing up. I need to be doing those type of things. But also now we live in a world where the Republicans in general for decades have tried to make it more difficult for people to vote. We now have a lot of either mail-in or absentee balloting and they're trying to fuck with the post office and already claiming that there's going to be, you know, fraud in the election. Then you couple that with the reality that we are in a, a pandemic and all of these people that are working these polls are 95 years old. Mm-hmm. So like maybe it's time for our generation to like do something to go a little bit extra. And then I found out they pay you 1750 an hour to work. I mean, in Minnesota, they pay you 1750 to like work all day as an election judge or a poll worker. And so I signed up, I can take a PTO day and work all day Tuesday for the election. So a 95 year old person doesn't have to be sitting there during COVID-19 and die. Uh, one of our one of our pointers, just trying it out, see how it feels. One of our pointers, Erin, uh, was actually a poll worker in her uh, uh, Minnesota town for the Minnesota primary. And she worked a shift, like a, a 11, to, 11 to 7 or something like that. And she said well, it was very easy. Okay, so then we had Nancy. Yeah, God, Nancy was so great. Man, I fucking I love her. And she was like, they started with the video of her just being a badass yeah. and how she got started in politics. And that, I mean, I think the best part of the whole thing is where she talked about, like, if you're in politics, you have to be prepared to take a punch and give a punch. And I was like, yeah, you do. So that was great. For the children, you got to be prepared <laughs> to <laughs> give a punch children. for the children. Yes, that was that was great. Because Nancy's out there, like, trying to save the post office in addition <laughs> to, save the world. <laughs> to all the other shit that, like, girl is busy. And she was like, I am supposed to be back in California taking care of Californians on my recess. And now yes. I have to get all my folks back <laughs> over to D.C. and take down the fucking postmaster general. 
know, she's it busy. A and situation. She's, she's busy. She's Can you imagine busy. if Nancy Pelosi was your grandma? No, <laughs> no. Because she has can't. a bunch of she has a bunch of grandkids. She has nine kid, grandkids. Um, I feel like she would make me do things. She'd make us be poll workers. <laughs> yeah, she would. <laughs> She'd sign us up. Then. And then you'd have to tell her all about it at Christmas before you got your presents. <laughs> yes, exactly. Then Barack Obama came out, Carmen. He's looking good. He was gave his speech at a constitutional museum in Philadelphia. So, like, he went out of his way to find a good backdrop. Again, he gave us a stern talking to. There was no hope and optimism. Barack Obama sounded all of the fire alarms. He... I feel like he saved this speech, like the one speech that said, like, break glass in case of an emergency, and he did it. It was it was not an overly, like, political speech, in my opinion. It was a lot about the founding principles of the country and democracy and how, I mean, I think my biggest takeaway from his speech was that these people, a.k.a. the Trump administration and President Trump, will dismantle and do anything and everything they can to win at all costs. And there is, they are scorched earth. And he took a moment to talk to young kids. He talked about the hope and the optimism and that the reality is, is the younger generation is the ingredient that's missing from us, like actually moving forward in policy and that we have to vote at levels that older generations do. You know, he talked about, the women's movement and then black women who didn't have the right to vote after the 19th amendment passed because white women made a point to make sure that black women <laughs> were not included. Yeah. We're, we're definitely the worst. Yes. And then, you know, we talked about the civil rights movements and, and basically he said the people that had all of the reasons to complain about why the system was broken and wasn't working and should have given up on democracy were those people. And they marched they fought. They decided that they were going to do whatever they could to make this thing work and make it better. And people died and bled on the streets. And those were the people that got to complain that really none of us have any reason to complain right now because we do not have it as bad as they did. And again, to get off your couch and do something. This is your democracy and you have a role to play in it. And there is, there is a responsibility to you politics is not supposed to be transactional it isn't i vote for you so i get this that was a a good line yeah it's not again between barack obama and hillary clinton giving me like a stern talking to to stop pouting and to do something was incredibly effective (laughs) (laughs) and then carmen kamala harris walked out and the video was cute Mm-hmm. Again, the video with her kids and her sister and calling Mamala. Nieces, yeah. Yep. Nieces, really well done. And she walked out in like a purple power suit. So again, you could figure out what color <laughs> yep. she was going yep. with. And we're going to assume why she chose purple. But the backdrop was amazing. Flags, and then they had the different signs for all the states. Mm-hmm. I thought it was really well done. Well, because it was an empty room, right? Because that's what you... Yep. Like saw. a huge arena. Right. But by putting all of the states behind her, it was a really powerful visual, like that we are all behind her. Like we have to unite as a country. It, the, it was great. People in charge, man, they, 
They did a good job. They did a good job. And so when we talk about the RNC, which I imagine we will, uh, and I we're think not we doing a whole episode this. on it. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> You know, we talked about how the Democrats have been planning this for months. Like, they knew they weren't going to be in person. So this is what happens when you have the time to take all of this attention to detail. And the the Republicans, I don't feel, are going to – they just simply aren't going to have time for this. No, because they're going to have Mike Lindell, the founder of MyPillow, and the crazy limperous gun holders from St. Louis speaking at their convention – along with that dumb kid from I don't even yeah. know what school he was with the mega hat that like yelled at that Native American man. Yeah. Um, that kid is a weird convention. choice. Like Yeah, weird. I mean we already know what's how that's going to play out. But Kamala's speech was I thought really uplifting and hopeful. I think kind of encapsulated what we kind of want our country to be and what it should be like represented through her. I thought one of the most powerful moments of her speech was of course, talking about the background that, you know, both of her parents were immigrants. Her mom came over at 19 from India to think, you know, that 50 years later, her daughter would be standing up there as the nominee for vice president is just mind blowing. And it's only possible here. And so there was a little bit of, I don't know, she smiled a lot. She looked incredibly excited. There's a lot of vigor in her, which I enjoy. There's some sass in her speech. And again, she's going to like take Mike Pence to the woodshop. Oof, I cannot wait for that. Do you have any follow-up on Kamala's speech? Well, I don't know very much about her um, because she, because I clearly carry a torch for Elizabeth Warren. So that was where a lot of my focus was during the primary. And so I enjoyed this opportunity to get to know her. And when they, you know, and they're trying to make her, basically she has to be everything to everyone, right? So she has to bring all of the folks like me who weren't that she wasn't their candidate in the primary. And then she has to like introduce herself to all the people that didn't know her at all. And so like, she's a big sister and she is a black woman. She is a South Asian woman. She is this, she is this, she is this, and she is the child of immigrants. And so there's so many ways that you know she's so multifaceted. And I think they laid out so much of like, she is your person. Like she is your candidate and let us tell you more about her. And then, of course, she's a brilliant speaker, and I always enjoy myself a good political speech. Well, once again, we leave it up to the women to have to do all of the work. She has to carry all of the water in the areas that Joe Biden can't. I mean, I think the reality is is she is, she is the future of the party. If Joe Biden wins, she most definitely is going to be the nominee, the, I think, in 2024. I think that's pretty well known. And so, I mean, Joe Biden talks about that he wants to be the, transfigure, the transformational figure that bridges the past to the future of the Democratic Party. And Kamala Harris is going to be the vehicle that gets us there, I think. so. Well, and it was, you know, there we've just talked about all of these incredible women that were showcased last night and then over the over the several nights of the convention. And it is disheartening 
to be like amazing woman, amazing woman, amazing woman, amazing woman. Vote for this dude. But that is going to get us one step closer to a woman in the White House. Yes. And like uh, RBG says, like it's incremental. It is incremental change that gets us the change that we need. And it does not happen overnight. And people are impatient. And this is, this is the route we have taken because we let Hillary down. And so now we have to wait longer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we're still going to get there. And uh, we're all going to get on board. We're close. We're getting close. We're close. We're close. All right. Do you have a parting thought or are we going to bypass it? No, I do have a parting thought. Okay. Uh, so Zach and I are both SDSU alums, bum alums. Yes. Bum alums. Go Jacks. They canceled mm. the holiday parade. I saw that's, that. my, that's my parting thought, which is the right thing to do. Yes. Um, but that just came across my Twitter yesterday i think that they yes i think they announced it yesterday it's sad decided to cancel the the whole day parade which is a bummer but uh, it's a bummer 20 uh, uh, mm-hmm. yeah That's there's it. that I, I was like is the football game even gonna happen i was i mean it's i don't know if sport ball has been canceled over there for your colleges but they have over here so who knows yeah i think d1 is still playing did you I like that do you like how i just threw out that yes, SDSU's but, Division One, and I know what that is. Uh, our Division One sports have all been canceled. So yes, Minnesota's just a little ahead in the game. Yes, yes, they are. My parting thought, of course, is that tonight, Thursday, the twentieth of August, is the last night of the Democratic National Convention. Joe Biden's speech is this evening. Um, if you don't watch it live, I'm sure it's going to be everywhere. But take a moment to to watch it because he hopefully is going to be the, our next president. And you need to be informed. So even if you don't like them, even if you think it's boring, take 20 minutes out of your goddamn day to, to learn something about somebody that hopefully you vote for. That is my spiel. Or Zach will come shame to your you. screen and make aggressive eye contact with you. <laughs> I will shame you. I will send Hillary Clinton after you. <laughs> don't think I won't. All right. We'll talk to you uh, later. Okay, bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Our Point. To stay up to date and for links of the articles that we discussed in this podcast, join us on Facebook and Twitter at Our Point Podcast. If you have articles that you would like us to discuss, feel free to tag us on Facebook or Twitter, or you can also email us at ourpointpodcast at gmail.com.